Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. through a worship series about graceful exits and today is the conclusion of that series we have looked at how do we gracefully leave a conversation a relationship how do you gracefully leave a job or a position where you have held authority and accountability and how do you leave a church not that any of you will ever do that but how do you leave a church today we're going to talk about something that every single one of us will leave and that is life How do you gracefully leave life? How do you gracefully die? Now, this is something that a lot of us immediately have a reaction to. I don't want to think about that. For some of us, this is very far away. But the reality is that death happens. I can remember one time talking to my sister, who has a very different position and and way of looking at the world. And one day she was like, It's true what they say, death comes in threes. And I said, Katie, as someone who does what she does for a living, it just comes. It doesn't come in threes, it just keeps coming. Death happens. All of us came into this world and one day all of us will leave it. Now hopefully there will be a large expanse of time between those two bookends and hopefully we will get to a point when that day does arrive that we have been thoughtful, intentional, and made plans. Yes, we are in a culture that doesn't like to talk about death. So many times I will hear people say, you know, when I die, and someone immediately goes, I don't even want to think about that. I don't want to think about when you're going to die. No, of course not. No one wants to sit around and go, I wonder when she's going to die, unless we have that kind of a relationship, and then you're like, I wonder when she's going to die. (laughs) But that's not where we are today. (laughs) Today, We want to talk about being prepared. We are a people who were meant to be prepared. Think about all the times in the scriptures where God is getting people ready for the next thing. Getting people ready to come out of Egypt, out of the Exodus, getting people ready to go into the promised land. Of course, they kind of messed that up and we had 40 years of trying to get it right. But God is constantly trying to prepare us. God isn't trying to just surprise us. People may have thought that Jesus came out of nowhere. Well, the prophets have been talking about Jesus for hundreds of years. God was trying to get the world ready to receive God's self in human form. And so today, as we think about this, despite the fact that some of us have already started to look incredibly uncomfortable, we're going to have this conversation because it's important. It matters. And it can actually change the rest of someone else's life if we have this conversation now. The first time I actually experienced death, I was about three. My parents were going to have another child, and I was aware that there was going to be a child, and then suddenly there wasn't, because my mother had a miscarriage. And then over the course of my life, family members had died, we had lost pets, that had happened, but it wasn't until I was in seminary in my mid-20s that I was actually at a deathbed when someone died. 
And I had gotten to that point, and I had been to a number of funerals. I had been around people who had been impacted by death. I myself had been impacted by losing someone or an animal that I had loved so deeply. But it's an entirely different thing when you are there. And in some ways, it's more difficult. In some ways, it's incredibly transformative and powerful and poignant to be there when someone transitions from this life into whatever lies ahead. And Jesus was trying to get his apostles to think about this even before he himself died. He knew on the night in which he spoke these words to his disciples, those whom he now gathered at the table and called friends, he knew that he was going to die. And he wanted to prepare them. He wanted to have a conversation. He wanted them to know that in their moment of sorrow and mourning, and for some of them anger and fear, that he had given them the gift of knowing that they and he were going to be okay better than okay. His words still ring true. These are the very same words that Wesleyans and Methodists throughout the ages have spoken at funerals, or as we call them, services of death and resurrection. Jesus said these words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, if you have ever experienced a death in your family, you know that your heart is troubled. It happens. And Jesus isn't saying, don't ever be troubled by death. But don't stay with your hearts troubled. Don't stay in a place of fear and anxiety. Do not be incapacitated by that moment. Instead, Jesus makes a promise. Believe in God and believe in me so that you can hear and receive and remember what I am telling you next. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. There is a place for you and for you and for me and for you that Jesus is preparing for us. There is a place so that we will not have to wonder what is after this. It's going to be all right. Jesus says, I am going, I will prepare a place for you, and I will come again so that where I am, there you will be. I will come and take you to this place that I have thoughtfully and intentionally and with all the love that God can muster created for you. And you will not languish in that transition. I will be with you the entire time. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Well, I cut it off there, but if you kept going, Thomas is like, well, how do we know where you're going? We don't, we don't know how to get there. What are you talking about? And that's pretty much the reaction that a lot of us have when someone starts to initiate that conversation about death. It's hard. It's not easy. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make it any easier there have been two occasions now where I have gone to a church, and shortly after I've gone there, I've received a manila envelope, and in it are the funeral and death plans of one of my new church members. It's an interesting, you know, opening gift that you give. Here, I'm dying at some point. This is how it should be done. And yes, a lot of us are like, oh, that's really weird. But I have to tell you, it's one of the greatest gifts to know that even as you are mourning, even as you are struggling with what life will be like and how your heart will ever, ever find some kind of healing, how will you continue to move forward or how do you just continue to live and breathe? And someone says, I have already done some planning for you. I have already taken the time to tell you the things, the songs that lift up my spirit, the scriptures that made my spirit soar. 
The prayers that brought me comfort in my life, may they bring you comfort as you live out the rest of yours. The thoughtful planning is actually a gift. There are so many times where I am with a family through a funeral and afterwards, and afterwards they go, you know, I think they would have been proud. Yeah, they told you what they wanted and you did it. You can feel good about that, about somebody's final wishes, about the benediction of their life. How will that go? You have fulfilled their wishes. But you can't do that if you don't have a conversation. Now, often I'm the one to initiate these awkward conversations, especially in my family. You know, it kind of goes with the package. You know, Thanksgiving meal, ooh, Sarah's going to pray. <laughs> kind of goes with the territory. So you have these things that happen, and I kind of get to have these conversations with people. And there are so many, including those that have been a part of your families, your households, your world, that I have been able to have those conversations with. Been able to talk about and ponder the theology of that moment. Theology is the knowledge of God. It is how we think and conceptualize, and it includes how we feel. How do we feel about God, and what is God telling us about death and what happens afterwards? Well, if you've ever known somebody who didn't have even a shred of faith, and you've watched them in the wake of death and tragedy, then you know that they are like unmoored ships. They are just being battered by the grief and by the process of even trying to grieve. You have probably seen the anguish in them and upon them because they have no hope. But we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We have the opportunity as people of faith to give the gift of gracefully exiting. Now, we've been having this conversation for a very long time in my household because I only have one child, and it's all on him. He gets to inherit everything, which ain't going to be a lot because, you know, pastor. But you'll get it, and he also gets to decide what to do with me. All my life, I've been trying to figure out what to do with him, and now it will be reversed. But... Ever since he was little, and I'm talking about in preschool, we used to have these conversations because there were plenty of times where he would have to entertain himself in my office while I went and officiated a funeral. And so he's well aware of how much life and death are just a part of what it is to be alive, much less to be a Christian. And so we've had talks over the ages about what we're going to do or what he's going to do, really. And I said, I really don't care what you do because I'm getting a new body. I am fully invested in this new body. I can't tell you how excited, the older I get, the more excited I get. No aches and pains, no calories, none of it matters anymore. We can just hang out and eat with Jesus all day and not have to go to the gym. Very excited. And so I told him, I don't really care what you do because this isn't coming back in this form, so whatever you want to do with it, have at it. Just make it cheap, because I don't really want you to spend a fortune, and you're probably not going to have one, so be thrifty. And so we talked about, you know, do you bury me? I don't care. It's a lot of work. You could cremate me. That's fine. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You know, I'm fine with that, too. But then one day, I, was, I found out that there are things that you can do with the ashes that I never would have fathomed before right? You can get them into blown glass so that they become artwork. You know, it used to just be like this awkward vase on a mantle. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. You can be a beautiful piece of artwork. But I found out that there's a company that will take your ashes, and in a lab, they will grow you into a diamond. 
super stoked on this possibility. What would be better for me than to be grown into a five-carat diamond? And then people would be like, that's a lot of bling. And he would be like, that's my mom. <laughs> and back when he was little, he had come up with a piece of jewelry. He's like, well, what am I going to do with just one of you? I was like, well, make a ring, make a ring. So he came up with the idea that it was going to be a skull ring, and in the mouth of the skull was going to be five carats of mom. And I was like, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy. You don't even have to do that. I mean, it's going to cost you $20,000 to grow me into a diamond that big, but whatever makes you happy. Because I know where I will be. And I know that when this life is over, and while none of us want to think about the pain that might come with dying. None of us really want to think about what happens to those that you leave behind, but I know where I am going. Or I should say, I know to whom I am going. I know that God will come for me, and I will go, and there are all kinds of different theologies about what happens when we die. In the Bible, it says that in the Old Testament, the people believe that everyone who died, good, bad, and different, they all went to a place of the dead called Sheol. And there they were in the presence of God. They couldn't get away from God, as Job lamented, but there they were in the presence of God. And I would love to just bask in the presence of God, unadulterated communion with God for a little while. However long that lasts until Jesus decides to come and the cornerstone will become the capstone of this world. And he will come back and he will perfect all that he inaugurated with his birth. He will come back and end suffering and sin and evil and sickness. There will never ever again be a body riddled with cancer. No one will ever have to wonder if they are going to lose their cognitive function. All of that will cease. And then when the time is right, we will be resurrected into new spiritual bodies impervious to all those things. And so in the transition time between when I die and I get that new spiritual body, I am confident that I will be resting in God. And what better place could you pick to rest than the absolute perfection of love? And I know countless people who now rest there. It occurred to me one day to try to figure out how many people I have buried. And I'm just talking about officiated, not people in my life that I have loved and have died, but how many people have I actually officiated their funeral? I couldn't tell you. My guess is at this point in my career, over 100. A hundred people. And every single one of them, I have been part of the church saying, God, you gave them first to us. Now we give them back to you. But God doesn't take them and say, you will never see them again. God says, I am taking them and holding them in trust for you. And when the time is right, as only God can know, we will all be restored to one another but restored in a way that will undo the end of our lives. Not all of us will die in perfect physical form. Not all of us will get to, get to that last point of our life, that final breath, that last beat of our heart, without having our bodies or our minds or both fail. But what is restored will be perfect. And so as I think about that, and I think about all those people that have now got to rest not only from their earthly labors, not only from their spiritual work as part of the body of Christ, but those that have gotten to rest from all the concern and the worry. Those that are just completely surrounded by God. It's what prompted me to start saying to my son, when I am gone, 
I will rest in God and God will be our connection. And whenever you miss me or you want to talk to me or you want to share something with me and you pray and commune with God, God can give me that. And maybe by some miraculous understanding far beyond what I can comprehend, I can send love to you through God. Maybe that will help us get through that time. But we are a people in this culture, in this nation, that struggle with talking about death. If you talk about death, people say you're being morbid. If you talk about death and you make plans, people are like, you're just asking for trouble now. Because all of you who got insurance on your car immediately crashed your cars. No, you make plans so that if something should happen, or in the case of death, when it does happen, you're prepared. And you get to have those conversations. You'll notice in our call to worship today, right after that when we did our gathering liturgy, that it talked about how Abraham wrestled with the death of his child. That Isaac might actually die here. And what that would mean. And then Jacob wrestled with blessing his children. Just as his father had blessed him and Esau before he died. They had a conversation before it was over. And if you've ever known someone to die and you thought, we had unfinished business, then you know that sometimes those conversations can change the rest of someone's life. That having a conversation about, you know what, when you're at death's door, it really doesn't matter anymore. It kind of puts things in a different light. It helps you to understand that some of the things that you were holding on to just might be more petty than you ever realized. And you realize that sometimes the greatest gift exchange we will ever have is grace when someone is getting ready to go forth to God. Those are holy moments. And I have been there for over a dozen people breathing their last. And I have seen the difference between someone who got to have a conversation and someone who didn't. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I don't even think this is something I have to worry about for decades. I'm fine. And I hope that's true. But don't keep putting off the groundwork that you could lay now. God forbid anything tragic ever happened to me. I hope my child and my family know that I was ready. I'm ready. I don't want to die. I don't want to die painfully. And in this world, we have made incredible strides, leaps and bounds, and what we do medically and scientifically for people at the end of their lives. We have come to the point in medicine now where we recognize that there is a transition period that happens there. Sometimes we call that hospice. And if we have some kind of indication that maybe you're under six months to live, then we actually enter into a new space where the medical doctors, nurses, and staff, as well as your families and your loved ones, are able to kind of confront that reality and perhaps have time to work through that. We also have come to the point where we aren't constantly trying to heal that which will never be cured. And so palliative care, pain management, has become so important in the life of those that are coming to the close of this life. And those are moments, and you hope that maybe you will have that knowledge. Maybe, by the grace of God, some doctor will go, six months, you have six months. Think about it. But how many of you have ever lost somebody and you thought, I didn't know it was coming? I didn't know. So having these conversations, even if you have to initiate the conversation to go, you know, one day I'm going to die. 
hope it's not soon, but one day. And I love you, and I respect you, and I want you to know that I've thought about it, and this is how I feel. And maybe you don't care what happens to your body. Maybe you don't have any problem with the song selection at your service. Maybe you really don't even care at that point, but you want the people that you know and love to know that you know where you're going, that you have the confidence that Christ gives you, that this is not the end. It's a hard thing to talk about death. It is not easy. But it is going to happen. And if a conversation you can have now can help another, what a gift that is. You know, the older you get, the more you start to have a reversal of relationships. Have you ever experienced this? I'm kind of in that point now where more and more I, I start to be in charge of taking care of things for my parents. Right? More and more this happens. And I knew that would happen at some point because I'm the oldest. And my sister was like, you need to do that anyway. And so I knew that one day that would be my job. I knew that that would be part of being the oldest and, and the most organized. I knew that that was going to happen. But it's a whole other thing when you're there. It's a whole other thing. And I have had those conversations with my mother repeatedly. What is it that you want? Tell me what it is that you want. And at first, she was resistant to it. First, she didn't want to have those conversations, and I don't blame her. But I finally said to her, you know, I need to know this because it's important to us to do what you would want. It's meaningful for us to be able to do your final wishes. And I said to her, I know that you have very strong opinions about what's going to happen. And so I would be honored to receive that and ensure that it happens. I would be grateful if you would trust that to me. And so she has. And you know, sometimes it's when you discuss these things that you think it's all going to be horrible. You think it's all going to be absolutely horrific. But I have to tell you that some of the most incredible conversations I have been privileged to have as clergy are the ones that are talking about death with people. It's incredibly insightful. It's, it's very humbling. It's a privileged conversation to have those with people. And sometimes there's a lot of words and sometimes there aren't. But when you take the time to talk to someone about that, what do you think your new body will be like? What do you think it'll be like to see the people who have gone before? Who are you most looking forward to seeing? What is it that you most want to leave behind in this world that you know is not going to follow you into the kingdom to come? Those are opportunities to invite someone to give you their theology. And you empower them to gracefully exit. And when you do that, what you are saying to someone is you are so important I want to honor you, not just to your last breath, but to mine. I want to make sure that I am honoring you until I am no longer alive to do that again. And so these are important conversations. They are difficult. They are awkward. No one ever trains us to do that. That's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation now. Because they are not easy. And maybe by the grace of God, you will not have to have a lot of these conversations because you'll go first. 
But I'll tell you, you don't get to be clergy in any Christian denomination without knowing that you will be bound and bonded with people who will one day turn to you and say, I have outlived all my family. I have outlived all my friends. And they will turn to you and they will say, you know, but this is my family. These are my friends. And so even though I have outlived all of those that I thought I would be with until my dying breath, I know where they are. And I know where I am going. And I can trust to my family of faith that they will carry out my final wishes. That is the power that Jesus Christ gives to us, the power that he gave to his disciples, knowing that they too were going to die before they ever thought. The Bible is filled with people who recognize that sometimes you have to have difficult conversations. You have to recognize that you are not going to be here forever. And if you go back into the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you will find that all of those blessings that were briefly referenced in Hebrews are explicitly spelled out. You can read the beautiful things that Jacob said to Joseph's two sons. You can go back and hear the blessing that Abraham put upon his son Isaac. You can go back and see that they were so beautiful and powerful and important that not only did they write them down over the course of time, but we still share them and read them today. You have the ability to give that same gift to others. And maybe by modeling that, you will encourage and empower, equip them to have that same graceful exit with you. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.